All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see Did you Check when the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, 
all one word, hockey season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Go check them out. They've got the website. They've got the retail location in Surrey. And like I said in the last episode with Brent Butt, go listen to it if you haven't yet, folks. You can use that promo code in person at their retail location as well. You go up to the cashier, whoever's working, and you say, Canucks Convo sent me here. I'm using promo code hockey season, or you just play back this part of the podcast. Trust us. We're sponsored by you. If you don't know cashier. So ZephyrEpic.com. go check them out. The best part about Zephyr Epic. They've got you trade covered for all your trading card needs. Best part about Zephyr Epic. They ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from, from hell's gate, which is a great name. You ever been to hell's gate? No. You know what? I was just reading about hell's gate hmm. just like a week ago. I've driven through it. I think I've stopped and took in a, taken a picture yeah. at like the big, uh, there's big Hell's Gate sign. Anyways, from Hell's Gate, British Columbia to Hay River, Northwest Territories. Nice. We don't go into the territories very often. No, we don't. Here. We got to go to the territories a little more. We are going to Hay River right now. Hay River, two sections in this town, quads of Hay River. They got the old section and the new section. New section. They got a high rise there in Hay River, actually. Wow. I saw a picture of it. Pretty tall. Hay River. Which is hay, by the way. I'm not saying like hey, hello, river. It's hay, like what you do on the farms. You what horses eat. Horses and hay, yep. Uh, in 1948, the Canadian government built a road, which is now known as the Mackenzie Highway, from Grimshaw, Alberta, to Hay River Northwest Territories, making Hay River the first community in the Northwest Territories to be linked to southern Canada. What do you what? think about that? No, wait, wait, wait. Hang on a second. First a road second. from the Northwest Territories into Southern Canada. Oh, okay, sorry. You said first. I thought you meant only. I was like, what? No, no, you the can first drive one. Now, nineteen forty-eight. Okay, yeah. Okay, I believe that gravel when, road at the time. For some reason, in my brain, that clicked as it's the only way to get there. I'm like, no, no that's that first can't one. Be. The McKen- Everybody knows Mackenzie Highway from Grimshaw yeah. to Hay River. That's how you get. To, Get there from Alberta to Northwest Territories. Okay, so so let's go back to Hell's Gate for a second here. Well, I'm not done with Hay River. Okay. They got a longtime NHLer from Hay River, former a two-time Canuck. Don't tell me. I don't, I don't think you're going to guess this. I'll, I'll give you some numbers on him. You can try and guess. 17 years in the NHL. Okay. 1,104 games. Played for the Canucks in two different seasons. One in 1997-98. One in 2003-04. In the 97-98 season, he played nine games. In the 03-04 season, he played 13 games. Oh, come on. So, so he's got two full seasons with the Canucks, and he played a total of 22 games. But his full career, yeah, yeah, 1,100 yeah. games. I used to think he was one of the fastest players back in the day. And in the NHL video games, like you're playing NHL 2000, 2001, this dude was like one of the fastest players. He's more known, I think, as like a Columbus Blue Jacket. You want to know the name? No, I got to get this. Columbus Blue Jacket. From Hay River. Okay, and the listeners can play along here. I wonder if any of the listeners have gotten it. Spent a long time with Carolina as well. That's where he did the bulk of his scoring. The bulk of his scoring. And Hartford as well is where he started. There's no way I'm going to get this. Career began in 1990. Give me the name. Finished in 2007, 2008 with the Edmonton Oilers. Give me the name. Jeff Sanderson. Oh, I always thought he was one of the fastest skaters. He's from Hay River, uh, Northwest Territory. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, wow. Okay. I, I didn't. I remember. I thought, him, I thought he played more games with the Canucks. I did too, because I remember him being a Canuck. Are you sure he's only played like twenty-two, 22 games, games total? 
with the Vancouver Canucks. And I was like, oh, like the one year he was traded in 03, 04, he was traded from the Blue Jackets to the Canucks for the end of the season. Uh, but during the 97, 98 season, he actually was traded twice. He started with the Carolina Hurricanes that year. Then he came to Vancouver for nine games. Then he went to Buffalo for 26 games. Maybe he was on waivers. I don't have the things right in front of me here. But he played for three different teams that season and only nine games with the Canucks in 97-98. Jeff Sanderson. Wow. Hay River, Northwest Territories. Absolutely news to me. 50 years old, Jeff he used Sanderson. To take the, he used to take the McKenzie Highway down Alberta, play hockey in Alberta. Yeah, Swift Current Broncos. Wow. Yep. 112 points in, the night, in his, like... Uh, DU plus one season. He had a couple of good years in the NHL. 89. Yeah, he did. He scored 46 points. goals one year. Yeah, man. Goodness. I, I remember Jeff Sanderson being quick. Well, yeah. Quick. Look at these numbers. Yeah. No joke. Can someone reach out to us and explain what went wrong when he was a member of the Canucks? Well, he, he was traded or picked up off waivers in the 97-98 season. Then Why he was, was he traded on waivers? At the end of the year. I think he was traded. I okay, can't remember. traded from Vancouver to the Buffalo Sabres for Brad May and a third-round pick. There we go. That's a good deal. Okay. Some then Columbus there. traded him back to Vancouver for a round three pick in the 2004 draft. Okay. So that's I think that's where the problem comes. Because that was in the lockout season. Well, not really. I mean, two years later in Phoenix, he scored 25 goals, but he didn't do anything for Columbus. He was quick. I remember him being quick. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Two-time okay. Canuck. Not a great career, though. 22 games. People don't want to hear us talk about this anymore. No, they want to hear us talk about DoorDash quads. They do want to hear us talk about our friends at DoorDash, who were delivered by... Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That would get 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. We're here to talk on a very hot Friday afternoon. This is going out Saturday morning. I wish I could DoorDash another fan into this room here. We both have fans yeah. pointing right at us. And it's it's not great. Not doing well not still. Great. I got to go for a walk after this. Why? Because, you know, the fiance, she wants to get outside and blah, blah, blah. You want to all do stuff. She wants to go get a Dole Whip. You ever had those? It's a Dole Whip? Dole Whip is uh, down in Steveston. Okay. You go get them. That's where I think this is where they might have originated from. And I don't know if they've originated from, but they know they're well known in Steveston for these things. And then they got the uh, shout out Randy Janda. They got the Dud Soda version of uh, it's a screamer. I think that. Oh, okay. I know you know screamer. what I'm talking about. Yeah, they yeah, got yeah. the cream soda and uh, ice cream. That's how I'm going to get. I'll send a picture. I'll tweet out a picture at Randeep today. Yeah. Shout out to Randeep. He's living in, he's living up in Italy or something, I think. I think Spain. Spain? I think so. All the same. He's over there at one of those places eating good food, watching F1. Shout out Randy, but I'm gonna have a yeah, I'm gonna have a, a Dud Soda um, version of a Screamer. That's my favorite one, the cream soda slushy with vanilla ice cream plopped right wow. into it. But she's getting the Dole Whip. This is a like I don't know these Dole Whips. They're uh, what's a Dole Whip? So you know, like Dole, the D O L E, like the company they do fruits in a can and stuff. Dole, come on, pineapples. They got the big Dole sticker on them. No. Dude, come on. Get outside, dude. Oh, no, 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 no. I know this. Okay, so, okay. Yes, okay. I know so they are well-known. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're pretty well-known for, like, pineapples. Yes, like, okay, I think okay, that's okay. a big sure, dull sure. thing. But you got the big old sticker on them. You used yeah. to put them on your lunchbox when you were a kid. Probably, I didn't. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, past your time. But, yeah, it's like a, it's a whipped sort of like a, I would say, like a thicker smoothie. Okay. And it's a little sweeter, but it's like a pineapple mixed with ice cream, maybe, I'm, I'm okay. assuming. Maybe that's what the Dole Whip is, but yeah, we're going to get one in Steveston. Go down there. I like Steveston. You you go. You don't go across the uh, any of bridges or anything. Nope. You won't cross a Boundary bridge for Road, your life. Boundary Road, baby. Boundary Road. But Steveston's nice. I like it out there. 
I'm going to go out there uh, Friday night tonight and hopefully like 10 minutes. I want to go in there, get the whip. I want to get back in the AC in the car. I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. Yeah. What's the deal? Shorts? No? Nope. No shorts. Burgundy suit. I told you this and I'm wearing a bow tie. So I bought this thing. Did I tell you about this clip already? No. Okay. So I got the wedding coming up next weekend where I'm a groomsman at. Okay. So I can't pull off shorts. Obviously, I'm a freaking groomsman. So I bought this thing online. Still hasn't came here. I, th- I don't know if it's going to get here because I think it's coming from like Tunisia or freaking somewhere over in, across the world. But it's uh, it's a clip that goes into your waistband and it's like uh, it shoots air up like a fan. Shoots it up the back of your shirt. Get the... Yeah. <laughs> You're messing with <laughs> No, me. I'm not even... My buddy sent me it on Instagram as like a joke. My buddy Steve, shout out Steve. He always sends me... He sends me about four or five memes a day on uh, Instagram. He's there's putting no it. way this is going to work. Well, sorry, we're talking about your buddy Steve in a sec here, but yeah. there's no way this is going to work. So, sorry, explain I don't know this. If it's you put get... it in your waistband so it makes your waist bigger. No, it's like a clip. So it's got a little clip on it. And then, okay. it, and then it's like a, it almost looks like a, well, you don't know what this is, but like a pager. What about when you sit down? Well, I can take it out then, or I could just put it in the front or, you know. You got your shirt tucked in. Yeah, but I, that's I what hope. I'm, yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> now that I think about it, I don't know how I'm going to clip it. I might clip it on the top and push it down. But anyways, I think it's, it's like a little personal air conditioner, it says. Yeah, okay. Blessing in disguise if this thing doesn't I, show up. That well, sounds hey, like a fire hazard. Well, listen, I know people are going to be giving me crap at the wedding for sweating a whole bunch, but the picture is you won't be able to see it because it's going to be clipped in there in the back. Okay. I think it's a good idea. I, I, I He sent me this meme, and it was like as a joke, he sent it to me because he knows I sweat all the time. And then I bought it within like a minute of him <laughs> sending me this like message on Instagram with a video <laughs> of it. And I said, like, yeah, that's super funny, but I actually bought it. Have so, you looked up reviews? Because here's the thing. No, is, I didn't even waste. I honestly. This is so funny because we I are bought the it opposite. So quick. You make fun of me for this because I will walk into a store and they're like, do you need help with anything? And I'm like, yes, I'm here for this item specifically. Yeah. Show me it. And you like, you know, you take like a week to decide if you're going to buy something, anything really, like anything big-ish. You're like, I need I need some time to think about yeah, it. I I'm a big a couch, review guy. Huge like review. Yeah, but then with this, you don't, no, you don't well, get a review? There's certain things in Life Quads where you see something and you know you just want it. I did like, that with a couch. Yeah, but that's, you gotta, you gotta, you didn't even sit on the couch by the time you bought it already. No, I, okay, I actually learned that from you because I was gonna buy a couch online and you told me not to and I took your advice. I did sit on my couch and I liked my couch. Yeah, okay, well at this one, it's just this just makes sense, okay? Okay. The problem is, I like I said, I don't know when the shipping's going to I'm going to get it in November. I'll probably still use it, but like... Yeah, we'll have to see. I want to... I'm very curious about I'll, tr- I'll bring it in here with me if it works well. I'll yeah? Be cl- I'll be podcast... I'll stand up the whole podcast. A little Patreon content there. Yeah. Okay. John we'll Klingberg if not, signed whatever. with the Anaheim Ducks. Did you yeah, hear it? Yeah, him and Yolevi are going to be a wrecking ball on that second pairing. Yeah, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about Ali Yolevi because I thought he was going to Finland. I thought it was over. I don't know. You know, it is a fifth overall pick. It's just teams. They have to all see for themselves, right? They have to see, be like, maybe we can make this player work because there's something there. Maybe when you look at his draft tape, but then all the injuries, you, you feel bad for Ali Yolevi, but I just, I I don't know. Unless he somehow became more mobile, um, you know, in better shape as well. That's well, something that's going to be pointed at now. Um, you know, I don't see any world where Ollie Levy's playing any anything resembling regular NHL minutes. I don't care about you know bottom bottom pair anything. I don't think Ollie Levy even in Anaheim. I don't think he's getting the opportunity. I I think he'll end up getting a chance again. I mean, he's not. 
Yeah, someone know. will claim him on waivers. It'll be the same as last year. Someone will claim him on waivers. Try him he out. He said like that Detroit wouldn't happen did. last year. No, now now I'm convinced that NHL teams are going to just keep trying, and it, until he's played for every NHL team, he's going to keep playing because all of them need to see it for themselves. That's what they're all looking at. They're all saying, "Well, well maybe we could do something with this," and they see him play and they decide, "No, yeah, this like isn't going to work." Top five defensemen are like a like a bad boy in a TV show, where it's like I can fix him. You know, yeah, I'm the right fit for him. I can exactly. fix him. Yo, Levy's that guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we're not going to change this whole conversation to Olya Levy because, yeah, Klingberg, I guess, that's the big you news. were thinking that maybe the Canucks, in some form or fashion, would be able to move around some cap space and maybe give him that one-year deal because that's yeah. the thing. He gets a one-year deal with Anaheim. Now it's like, you know, it's. I wonder if we're at that point with other free agents, though, too. Like, hey, like Tyler Mott's still out there. Tyler Mott's probably looking for, you know, two and a half plus million dollars. Doesn't yeah. look like he's going to be able to get nope. that. Nope. We'll be interested to see the Canucks like a guy like Tyler Mott. But, like, there we go. Another winger added to the group. Like, they don't need any more wingers at this point. No Cactus Club in New York. This is true. They'll probably work on that soon. Cactus Club will grow over there. Big big growth in Cactus Club last year. I've been doing my research here. Um, but I think that with Klingberg, like, yeah, it would have been would have been like an opportunity for it to be a fit with the Vancouver Canucks. He's obviously a good puck mover. Would have been nice to see a puck mover play with Quinn Hughes. Um, I personally just think that it wouldn't have been a great fit looking at all like the other players that play. Like, I don't think he would have been a great fit with Hughes or OEL, you know, really Jack Rathbone. I don't know. I didn't, I wouldn't have been like, <laughs> is it weird that I would prefer Tyler Myers at $6 million and Klingberg, I think for two years over Klingberg at one. I don't know. I think that, are you being for real? I think defensively you saw a lot from Tyler Myers last year. I don't You're know. You're joking. Dude, I don't know. I'm like the biggest Tyler Myers supporter in the in the entire yeah. media, and you're 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 for real giving this take. I just think for fit wise, like I don't see a great fit. I didn't see a great fit with Tyler Myers either. How many times? Well, that's what I was gonna say. How many times have we talked about how there's no fit for Tyler Myers, and how, you know we've talked about OEL moving to the right side to play with Hughes, but <laughs> Tyler Myers here, like there was a fit though last year. Like sure, it, it there was a well. fit, but what did it what did it amount to? It amounted to a second to, pairing that no. looked like an NHL pairing. And you don't think Klingberg can at least provide that, plus a lot more? I don't know. I have some worries about Klingberg and his for own one zone year. as he gets older. For one year. You're, you're banking on Tyler Myers for the next two if years. If you based gave off- me the uh, 100% chance, like, I, I'm just saying, I'm not, like, curdled over crying because the Canucks weren't able to get Klingberg because they have a guy with Tyler Myers well, who no, does a lot course. of similar things. Sure, sure, sure. But And they already made... I wouldn't say a mistake, but they made a commitment to Tyler Myers. No, 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 exactly, exactly. I'm saying, though. You would have had the, to move, you know, give an asset to move to make this happen for Klingberg. I'm just not super no, worried about no, it. No, you don't need to move. You don't need to add an asset to Tyler Myers to move that deal. I don't know. I, no, I, I, I don't yeah. think you do. And listen, there were talks that the Canucks were trying to move Tyler Myers at the draft. Even some people suggesting that the Islanders trade that fell through wasn't really around J.C. Miller. It was around Tyler Myers. And obviously the Islanders go out and get Romanov after that. But... Tyler Myers would have been the kind of, I guess, catalyst to make a Klingberg signing in Vancouver work, right? If Tyler Myers gets moved, you're... And again, I don't think that the Canucks would have been able to grab Klingberg at one year um, for $7 million because Klingberg fired his agent, longtime agent. Uh, I think I believe Peter Wallen is his name, and he signed with Newport Sports, who are notorious for being one of the toughest agencies to negotiate with, uh, representing... Uh, Bo Horvat, Brandon Sutter, the list goes on, but Bo Horvat's obviously the key one for Canucks fans there. But with Klingberg, he switches to Newport, and then the strategy is clearly, this is a one-year show-me deal where 
He's not signing with a contender. So best case scenario, he loves it in Anaheim. Jamie Drysdale does really great things with Klingberg on a first pairing there. Um, you know, they obviously still got Cam Fowler. No disrespect to him. They've got a lot of a lot of different pieces down there in Anaheim, but they're not really a contending team. So to me, it's quite clear that the thought process of the Klingberg camp with this deal is this is a one-year deal where you're probably going to get moved at the deadline. There's no trade protection. And I think that's by design. You're going to get moved to a contender at the deadline who's looking to add. So Anaheim gets to recoup some young assets and some futures that's going to help them in their rebuild and help them accelerate in the Pacific Division. So that's another thing that we have to keep an eye on that we'll talk about, I'm sure, a lot down the line. But they trade him for assets. Klingberg goes to a contender. They're hoping he shows well and then signs an extension there. Like, that's, that's to me, what the strategy is here. Rather than signing... Uh, let's say a three-year, $7 million deal or a three-year, um, six, whatever it is, right? Whatever the number is, rather than signing for longer than one, that's the strategy here is just you sign for one year, you get to show everybody that you can still play, right? Like you're going to get to play with Jamie Drysdale. So he's looking at a scenario where, yeah, maybe I can play with this talented puck-moving defenseman and, you know, show show well again and let teams know that, I can still play, and Anaheim gets to have that young defenseman in Drysdale, you know, get get the rope shown to him by Klingberg, right? And I think that's how I look at this deal is it's just Klingberg's getting moved at the deadline. So, again, I'm not trying to say when, when I laugh at you for saying you'd rather have Tyler Myers at two years for $6 million than Klingberg for $7 million at one year. I'm not trying to say, well, the Canucks could have just done that. Even if they moved Myers, I don't think that's an offer that's available to him because... There's just there's no guarantee that Klingberg's going to be in a position to be dealt at the deadline if he signs with the Canucks. Like I think the Canucks are looking at being in a playoff spot at the trade deadline, and there's a bunch of bunch more problems that come with that with the JT Miller trade situation, obviously, but we're not gonna talk about that right now. If he signs in Vancouver, I don't think it's at this dollar dollar figure, and I don't think it's for one year. I think you're looking at a completely different contract uh, if Klingberg signs in Vancouver. So I don't think this is a scenario where it's what the Canucks couldn't have matched that? Like I, I don't, I just don't think that was on the table for them. But come on, if it was, Chris, if it was on the table, and you were able to move Tyler Myers, you're able to get out from that number, especially in the last year of that contract, you're able to get out of that. You're really taking Myers for two years over Klingberg at one no, for that's one not, extra million. No, what I'm saying is you would have had to get the process through of getting rid of Tyler Myers to move on. But to let's say you're getting a third round pick back for Tyler Myers. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that. I think that's a positive asset. Like, I think that's a positive value asset. I do. Going into, like, if you... How much more are you taking Klingberg going into, like, a, getting the Canucks to a playoff role than Tyler Myers? Like, I think, I, think, I think he's a much better defenseman than Tyler Myers. I don't care what the analytics say. Much like I don't care what the analytics say with Tyler Myers. I right. don't care. Because, uh, look, I, I think it was Tom that threw this out miraculously. But he said, like, look... Every, everybody, and not everybody, but a lot of people in the analytics community call Tyler Myers replacement level or whatever, whatever they say, right? If he's replacement level, why does he keep playing top four minutes for basically every coach that's had him, right? Like, I understand he hasn't looked great in a lot of situations, and I even, I, I buy the analytics a lot, right? Like, I do. It's not like I'm trying to be like, I test for real, but Tyler Myers isn't as bad of a defenseman as everybody makes him out to be, but come on. John Klingberg's a better defenseman than Tyler Myers. Like, that's a no-brainer. I think he's better defensively. I think he's better with the puck on his stick. 
I think he has a much better defensive IQ and offensive IQ than Myers does. I take Klingberg over Myers any day of the week. And I like Myers. Yeah, I know. No, I, I just don't know about the fit, no. the way that he plays. Like, I actually, I think that having the size, uh, having the skating ability, I, I still would be like, if I'm really in the Canucks position and you're paying a million dollars more to get Klingberg for this season to make the playoffs, I don't know. I, I'm, it's not a slam dunk for me that I'm not he's even, this I'm player. not even saying it's just to make the playoffs. I'm also saying maybe you could flip him at the deadline. Like, I, I'd say the Canucks, if, if they're doing the process correctly... They are in a position where they're still looking for future assets, and if they had the cap space to do it, again, not really this management regime's fault, if they had the cap space to do it, the Canucks could have done this move, and, you know, maybe it's for a second year. Maybe there's there's something else that comes with it. Like, maybe it's a higher dollar amount. We don't know. I don't want to just say they could get him for one year at $7 because I truly don't think that would be on the table for the Vancouver Canucks, but look, like, I think if they do the process correctly, you're not looking at it as a, this is just to get us into the playoffs. This is a move where you can flip them at the deadline, whether it be this year, next year, or whatever, whatever it is. You flip them at the deadline and get some real future assets if he flourishes alongside Quinn Hughes. When you talk about fit, the way I look at it is... I'll say that. I'll say that maybe there's a better fit with Klingberg there than Tyler Myers for Hughes. Just because How about of, Luke Shen? Because that's I also, who he's paired with. But at the same time, like I, I haven't seen enough of John Klingberg to be like, oh, but no, he's really good at staying in his own zone defensively. From the stuff that I read about him, he's not. And I think you play him with him or Oliver Ekman Larson in your top four, I don't know if that's a better that's fair, choice than Tyler Myers or Quinn Luke Hughes. Shen. Neither is Quinn Hughes. It's staying in his own end, but I'd rather have, two, I'd rather have two Quinn Hughes than a Quinn Hughes with anybody else. Yeah, everyone would rather have two Quinn Hughes. Well, that's my point. Klingberg so, isn't a Quinn Hughes, though. So who cares? He's he's still good at moving the puck, and he can he can change his game. He has that defensive IQ. Like, let's not forget, this was a top tier defenseman not that long ago. He's been, okay. If if we're going to sit here and defend OEL for six or seven years, whatever it is, I don't think we are doing that. No, no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying if we're going to do that, and we have done that before, we both have. If we're going to do that, what are we even talking about here where we're saying, oh, Klingberg at one year, you can't do that over Tyler Myers. You're getting out of the second year of that Myers deal. Like, look, I like Tyler Myers. He played well last year, but are we confident that he can do even what he did last year, which wasn't putting the world on fire? If he can do that for the next two years, I still take Klingberg at one year. I still do it. Yeah, I think... And I don't think Myers is going to stay at that level for no, the next two years. No, because I look at it as like, hey, you could deal Myers at this deadline. You could deal him at next deadline as well. And it's a safer bet that the Canucks don't make the playoffs this year than I think they do next year. So, yeah, if you're in that situation, I think there's a lot of ways that it would be Klingberg. I just look at him right now playing on this Canucks team. I don't think he's that much of an upgrade on Tyler Myers. I don't even know if he is an upgrade. He's an upgrade. I don't know if about that much. Sure, I'll give you that. I don't know if he's a huge upgrade, but he's an upgrade. Come on. All right. Well, he's going to go to Anaheim. Number. He's going to have a great uh, defensive partner in Ole Levy. He'll rip it up. He'll go get a big deal. Yeah. And uh, they'll retain half. He'll be 3.5 playing on a playoff team next year, and he'll make us all look stupid. Okay. In a similar light, Chris. Speaking of making us all look stupid, Jim Rutherford, his evaluation of Tucker Pullman. There are some question marks with Pullman's health. That's what uh, what Rutherford had to say on the Bob McCown podcast when he joined it. But like Rutherford said that this is a guy we think can play in our top four. I'm really curious where they get that evaluation from, like who they're speaking to or if they're watching old tape on Pullman. Because like if memory serves correct, we've already tried Tucker Pullman in a top four role. Didn't work with Hughes. Didn't work with OEL, right? Like, am I taking crazy pills, or is that not exactly what happened? No, didn't work under Travis Green with those guys in the top four, obviously. So you think Travis Green was the problem? 
I think Travis Green's a problem for a lot of things. It might have, like, we haven't seen Tucker Pullman play under Bruce Boudreaux's system. That's fair. I think that that makes a big difference. Obviously, do you see those numbers come up about Elias Pettersson and his play under Green? And obviously, I think the wrist is a big part of that as well, but just yeah, seeing yeah. where he was attempting shots from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting to see the change what Bruce Boudreaux can bring. I, I, like, I didn't hate Pullman last year in a bottom pairing role. And if he can bring that, I think that's a nice little addition. Sure, but we're to the talking top four here. Like, well, we're not doing that. Jim Rutherford's saying that. <laughs> that's and listen, a good point. That's he's, a good point. He's got to back his guy, right? Yeah, like that's he, fair. This is something that he kind of needs to say. I think that you're, you're seeing a lot of the way that the messaging is coming out from upper management here of just like, you know how, like, you notice how consistently, how consistent they are at saying that, like, JT Miller is our best player. He was our best player last year. You know, mm-hmm. this guy's a top four player. It's like, yeah, they're they're positioning themselves to try and maybe not make it sound so bad when they have to make a move here or just kind of making it sound like they're trying to raise the value in some of these players when this stuff gets out in the media. So, I don't know. I think it's still, like, the fact that we're, what, one month, six weeks away from training camp pretty much or a little longer than that maybe two months i don't know whatever the day what day is it coming fast it's almost it's almost august it's almost a month a little more than a month so i mean training camp's not that far away maybe two months away i don't know anyways whatever you know what i'm saying i i think that because that we're not at a point right like we've seen general managers talk about head injuries in the past and there's been a lot more optimism you know, two months away from training camp than we're hearing, I think, right now about Tucker Pullman. I think it was good to hear that there have been no setbacks, but we've seen this story play out before and how head injuries are just so brutal to deal with for an NHL player. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what the future of Pullman is. I I hope he can get back to playing and, you know, be able to do what he probably loves and play hockey, but uh, it doesn't look great or sound great to me right now. Obviously, we're hoping for the best for Tucker Pullman, but like also to Rutherford's credit, I don't want to make it sound like Rutherford was coming out and saying, our defense is fine. We have Tucker Pullman to play top four minutes. You know, he was saying like, we didn't change the defense the way we hoped we could. He was very honest about that. He said like, to do things, you need a partner. And the Canucks haven't really been able to find a partner. And the quote he also said was like, we could win with this defense. No, he said this defense we could win with. That's what but, I'm saying. He said I know we that's could exactly win what with you said, defense. but he also, in context, was talking about how the forward group is great and their goaltender can bail them out a lot, so they think they can win with this defense. They just did it, right? Mm-hmm. But when he said win, I think he means win games and maybe get into a playoff spot. I don't think Rutherford's evaluating this and saying, this is a cup contending defense. I think we're all kidding ourselves if we think that's yeah. what Rutherford meant. No, I, I think so too. I what just, does win mean? Is I what did I'm trying find to say. it interesting. That, that was the way that he worded it anyways, and maybe that's a slip of the tongue or whatnot. But yeah, I think like Pullman would really help the defense in a certain degree if he's able to be healthy, come in and maybe play on a pairing with whether it be a Travis Dermott or a Jack Rathbone. Like that's a third pairing that you're pretty happy with. I actually, if, I actually if he's don't healthy. hate a Rathbone Pullman third pair i sure. think that's fine and that's man like i don't know i look back at the dermot deal and i'm like hmm with a third round pick would have been something better for the canucks right now when you have jack rathbone pushing for this spot there's a chance he's likely on the bench to start the, like up in the eating popcorn in the press box to freaking start here like well here's the other thing chris because because what's dermot now like you trade a third round pick for this guy it's like it would have been nice to add another type of like defenseman like elias Pettersson. you just added in the draft that's that's you know there's a, a good hope in that player getting something down the road. I don't like, I'm not saying he's going to be an NHL player, but at least it would have been another swing with Dermot. You kind of know what he is. And he's not going to play top four for the Canucks when you have OEL and Quinn Hughes. Cause I don't think they're going to move him to the right side to play top four. No. And so I understand what you're saying because look like Rutherford on that same interview spoke about Jack Rathbone and how he deserves to, he's, he deserves to be in Vancouver and yeah. he's going to be basically is what Rutherford said. So 
we're going to get to it in the second half of this episode, our, our lineups. Mine has Jack Rathbone in it. And I don't want to talk about it too much, but I think you'll be surprised to see who's on the outside because you're kind of making a good point here that Dermot is kind of in a weird spot where it looked like the organization was kind of taking a flyer on him and saying maybe there's some top four upside that he just wasn't able to get in Toronto. And but then you look at their top four and it's like if, if Ekman Larson moves to the right side, that's the only way Dermot's playing the left side. And I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it on the other side. But first, we need to hear from our sponsors because Chris, it's time for our listeners to hashtag get Montana's messy. Before we go any further into the episode, we have to give a quick shout out to our friends at Montana's. Montana's is the barbecue expert in Canada. They smoke their ribs in-house every day, and then they sauce and fire grill them to order. Montana's legendary all-you-can-eat ribs promotion is on now, seven days a week until the end of summer. Come in for all-you-can-eat ribs and get Montana's messy to win weekly prizes. Chris, do you have a little Montana story for us? I tell you, go get the apple uh, butter barbecue sauce, the best sauce they got there. And listen, the ribs are great. Do the all-you-can-eat ribs. But if you're not in the mood for ribs, four cheese spin dip. They got an incredible spinach dip in Montana, as you know it. And and you can find the barbecue sauce at the store as well. Take home a bottle with you. There you go. Apple butter barbecue. Excellent stuff. So be sure to go visit Montana's, where they have certified smoke and grill masters doing all of the barbecuing with seven locations throughout British Columbia. Shout out Nanaimo. Including Nanaimo, British Columbia, Langley, Tawasin, Prince George, Victoria, Fort St. John, and Kelowna. Be sure to go check out Montana's Barbecue and Bar today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Folks, we're going to talk about forward Well, lines. first, you are Sunday. You're listening to this on Saturday. You're in Nanaimo, my hometown. You go down to Bowen Park. Get some uh, free ribs, some rib sampling down there from Montana. Shut up, Montana's. Apple yep. butter barbecue barbecue sauce. Go check them out. I was I was heartbroken to find out they closed down the Coquitlam Center yeah. location. Dude, I lost an Arby's 
and a Montana's in Coquitlam Center. Like, what are we doing here? What happened to cuisine? Yeah, bad decisions. Yeah. Montana's, Montana's is a good decision. There yeah. you go. You can go to Montana's. Clean it up here. Langley, Tawasin, those are the ones that we'll be hitting up. Yeah. Okay. They got nachos there. Speaking of, uh, let's get to the Atlas Goods uh, poll question real quick. Oh, yeah, because you guess tried what? the nachos. Yep. Go ahead. Ask me, Quads. Have I tried them? Have you tried the nachos? Yep. I've tried the uh, pork rind nachos. From our friends at Atlas Goods. Should I get to the poll question first, and then we'll talk about the nachos after the poll question? Yeah, okay. Get to the poll okay. question, and then... Uh, and then I'll tell you. Well, okay, poll question first. I'll talk about the nachos. Let's go. Okay. So it's time for our episode 283 Atlas Goods poll question. Go to locally owned and operated atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. Folks, these are the best fresh pork rinds straight out of your air fryer. We've seen people do a lot of things with them. Most popular, I would say, is to put popcorn seasoning on them, right? So you, you go get your favorite flavor. I got the dill pickle one at home. You sprinkle that on the original flavor mm. pork rinds, right? After you've put them in the microwave, of course. But what I find really interesting, Chris, or is the that, air fryer, air fryer is the yeah, way to do it. Exactly. Air, yeah, microwave is like if you're looking for a quick snack, which is usually when the, I'm the doing. air fryer only took two minutes. Well, yeah, but then you got to clean the air fryer. That's my big problem. I, I got, no, I got you, this giant air fryer. Yeah, but no, you put down a little bit of the uh, aluminum foil. You barely got to clean your air fryer. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. So. Air fryer or microwave, it doesn't matter. Air fryer tastes better according to Faber, uh, yep. and it does. But they're good anyway. you make them. Use promo code CC50 and 50% off your first order of pop rinds. Uh, use the popcorn seasoning on the original. Get any flavor you want. They've also got flavored ones, so I've tried the bacon. The bacon flavor is fantastic. That's what I had the Let other day. Tell you. Okay, we're talking about the nachos. We'll get to yeah, the Yeah, so, so you made the nachos. Go okay. ahead. So, I, so what I did, instead of using the seasoning, I put the taco seasoning from like Old El Paso or whatever. Oh, yeah. So I put that right on. Old El Paso? Yeah, what's it called? Old Del, isn't it? No, it's not. It's Old El Paso. Old El? Yeah. Oh, because El Paso's a place. Yeah, there's no Dell in there. It's on a computer. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't even cut that. People get to hear that. No, you know, and that's the problem. Sometimes we say something so stupid. I said something the other day we had to cut that was really yeah, good. Yeah, who, who, who usually says those normally, things? Normally me, but once we're on we're on YouTube here pretty soon, live. We're both going to have some gonna, Yeah, we're gonna be, there's going to be a couple moments. we got the dump button ready to go uh, pretty quick. But we'll see. That will be interesting. Live in September. Five shows a week. Pump for that. Anyways. Put, uh, so I put the taco seasoning on, and then I put the cheese on, and I, I probably I took a little bit too long to put the cheese on, so it didn't fully melt. Like mm. some of it got warm and like sort of melted. Plus, it was like thirty eight degrees out, so it was melting on its own. Anyways, it was damn good. Mixed it in the uh, with some Trader Joe's salsa from the states. That's the good stuff, man. It's just like uh, that's the tell you what. If I'm gonna have soup, it's gonna be Trader Joe's salsa. That's the good stuff. That and a little bit of sour cream. It was excellent. I highly recommend it. The nachos were great. And I don't know why it took me so long to do it. It was so easy. It took me five minutes, maybe total, from like cooking it and everything. It's ridiculous. I think that's what I'll be having tonight. The nachos are good, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, you're a free man this weekend. You got no no lady around the house, right? You're going to be living it up, eating nachos, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, probably. Going to a wedding, too, this right. weekend. Yep. So that should be interesting. Big Italian wedding. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun. What's, okay. the, what's your favorite thing to do around the house when uh, when the lady's gone? I just play a bunch of video games. But I do that when she's there, too. Yeah. Well, that's true, too. I'm almost done my big Lego set, my big Daily Bugle set that I've been working on I've for a couple months. I've been seeing that on, uh, on the Instagram. Yeah, there, it's yeah. it's coming along. It's almost done. I've got two bags to go. There you go. Yeah, so I'll be finishing that next week. Okay. Very excited. Okay. All right, poll question. Our poll question today. Again, Atlas Kids, promo code CC15. Go check them out. Locally owned and operated company out of Surrey, British Columbia. Who is most likely to score 30 goals next year? Elias Pettersson, 
Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, as always, I'm Angry Chris. Leading the vote with 74% is Elias Pettersson, followed shortly thereafter. Well, not really shortly. Brock Besser with 15%, Bo Horvat with 6 I'm Angry with 5%. Now, I don't pick on you when you make a bad poll question. Uh, so I'm just going to say, let's say what we should have written is probably who's most likely to score 30 goals first. Because I think a lot of people, rightfully so, pointed out that all three of these guys are probably going to pot 30 next year. Okay. I said Brock Besser. I said Brock Besser is going to be the first. That's how I read the question. Brock Besser is going to be the first to score 30 goals. I really think we're going to see a new level of Brock Besser next year, especially when you consider these forward groups that we're going to be outlining soon. Yeah, no, I'd feel pretty good about Brock Besser this being the year, right? Everything's kind of setting it up to make it feel like this is the year for Brock to to finally do it. He hasn't, he scored 29 before. He's never been a 30 goal scorer. Uh, I think this is the year for him to get to 30 as well. I'm still going, I think Pedersen, under Bruce Boudreaux on one of the best power plays in the NHL, really becoming the guy, you know, whatever happens with JT Miller, whatever happens there will be interesting. I think that'll impact how much Pedersen scores as well, especially on the power play. But I, I like to me, I, I hope this is the year Pedersen starts push for 40, right? Yeah. And let's let's not forget, like he had he had 32 goals last year. Exactly. And it felt like half the year it was a really down year for Pedersen. You know, he's battling wrist injury, didn't have a contract coming into camp. I, yeah, I would if I was bet if I was betting on this, it would be Pedersen getting thirty for sure. I I would be interested to see, like next year, that's going to be a fun story to follow. Is that the year Pedersen gets to forty? Because even in a down year, it felt like last year there was times where he was excellent. He was just incredible. We saw him live up to the potential that a lot of people hope for. Played a lot of games last year, looking yeah. like a forty goal scorer. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get to forty even next year. I don't think this is going to happen, but I do want to say this. If Pedersen starts out of the gate slow again this year, not going to have a wrist to... And I'm not saying he put the blame on the wrist, although he did to some extent, but I'm not saying it was a BS excuse or anything like that. But if Pedersen comes out of the gate slow this year and then turns it on the second half like he did last year, this is where he will start to get the reputation. And some people have already given it to him of being a slow starter. This will be the year where he actually gets that reputation, and probably rightfully so. Yeah, slow starter scored year. ten goals in his first ten NHL games. Well, this, if he does it this year, if he if he comes out slow, of course he's going to get that reputation. Are you okay. kidding me? He's it's a good. rookie. Nobody That's knows about say, him. You got to bring Nikolai Goldobin in first Whatever. ten games. You play him with okay. Petey. Sorry, so I'm I'm just going to say a big reason that happened is because nobody knew about him, right? Like he was playing with Goldobin and Erickson on the Canucks, like third line or second line, whatever it was, right? Nobody knew about Elias Pettersson back then. People know about him now. People are rightfully sure, so. But he's also gotten better. Absolutely. He's a lot better than Absolutely. the player he was then. So what I'm saying, Chris, I'm not saying he has to score 10 and 10 to be, you know, great again. I'm saying if he has a slow start again where he, you know, goes 30 games with 13 points or whatever it was, if he does that again, he's going to get that reputation. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm saying it's something to keep an eye on. Sure. I think you're right. If it happens this year, you can give him that, but I think there's there's been some excuses in the past Absolutely. That, that you could definitely And use. And again, excuse is such a gross word we don't mean it in the sense of it's it's not legitimate like it's yeah. a it's a reason it was a reason okay we said we'd get to our lines and i, I threw out defense i kind of jumped the gun there yeah you, you want to wait because we got a long summer of content so yeah everybody all these podcasts are shutting down this past know, week it, it was pretty yeah i mean it's fine i, I get it to some extent but uh this is where we pick up someone, the slack i know someone someone commented like cox gone was the only podcast i'm listening to right now it's like oh that's really nice and then they're like oh yeah but it's only because everybody else is gone. <laughs> well, so, uh, i was like oh we'll take it but 
Thanks anyway, folks. Hey, we like the summer podcast. We do. It's a little hot, but that's okay. Next yeah, week's supposed to rain. That'll be nice. I'll tell you, I can't wait for the rain. I'm gonna be. We're gonna be podcasting out in the rain here pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, get some raincoats. Holding on. up the speakers and Although, outside. Maybe uh, Montana's live on location. Get get Montana's messy. You think? Uh, yeah, I think that'd be fun. Eat some ribs while Eat we're some ribs while recording. Yeah, nice little break there, dude. Yeah. Uh, ASMR rib eating. All right, you you and your ASMR. You want to get the Addison Ray. your Addison Rays and your ASMRs <laughs> and your TikTok accounts here. I don't okay, know. you see, Let's I get see. To our I, what am I? I'm cruising through my TikTok the other day. I see you freaking tapping a mic, going. I said, "What the hell is going on here?" Meanwhile, you just did ASMR to our listeners. I'm over on the YouTube channel doing 5K views. You're over on the TikTok, freaking freaking 45 views on the TikToks. Who the hell is this guy with his shirt off tapping the mic? Okay. Can we get to the lineups, please? Can yeah. we get to this? Because this is your idea, and it was a good idea. I'm going to write about a little, write a little companion article on CanucksArmy.com about this. And we got some good stuff up there, as always, right now on Canucks Army. Okay, so we'll get to our lineup here, Chris. Do you want me to go first? I'm thinking I want it to kind of be in the same format because, like, some, like to me, like, first and second line, I think with the Canucks, it's like there is sort of a first line, but let's do it like we're doing Pedersen, Miller, Horvat down the middle, right? Do we want to do it in that order of, like, our lines? Because to me, Pedersen centering is the first line. Uh, Miller centering is the second line. Horvat centering is the third line. Do we want to just kind of stick with that format? We're good sure. with that? Sure. I think we – my lineup has that. I, okay. I don't have the lot of line reuniting unless bleep hits the fan. Or, you know what, it's also – and I'll, I'll say this now – my line is also considering the fact that you can throw out the lotto line and you also have a Horvat line that you can load up as well. And, and instead of having like what we've seen in past years where it's just the lotto line going out or they throw Horvat down there and, and you know maybe Besser was sitting on the bench at that time and they just throw their gunners out there, I think you have two lines that you can now do that with. So I think the Canucks can really be a force late yeah. in games. I'll let you go uh, and I'll just... I'll question your decisions as we go here. You, you can start. Do you want me to go top three lines? Go through four if you got if okay. you got four ahead. Do you, you want you me go to just for give it? them to you all? Okay, yeah, so first ahead, line. I'll just question you as you go. And my 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 thought process here is this is your matchup line. Okay, I have Ilya Mikheyev with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser. Quick, real quick. I'll give the reasoning. I think having a speedster like Mikheyev, who is responsible two way is what you want in a first-line player. I think he can really flourish with Elias Pettersson. I think if you're going to maximize Mikheyev's value, it's by putting him with Elias Pettersson. And I think that's not even going to be something where it's you're hampering Elias Pettersson at all because I look at the other wing options, and I, I do think Mikheyev's the one that complements Pettersson best. I think Garland probably wants to try to create too much, and I don't think that's what you want. I think you want Mikheyev you know, being that kind of outlet pass for Elias Pettersson where he can really create space because of his speed, and then find Elias Pettersson. Again, I think Elias Pettersson's going to be able to find Mikheyev for some backdoor tap-ins. I think you have Brock Besser on the other side of that line, and Brock Besser's your trigger man. I think, again, like I said, I'm expecting big things from Brock Besser this year. Chris, that's my first line for the Vancouver All right, Canucks. one question about it. For me, you if that's your line, that's your first line, a lot of the offense needs to come from transitional offense, fast break, three-on-twos, two-on-ones. That is that what you're kind of leaning on for? Because I, I, that line in the offensive zone might not be the best trio running like a cycle. That no. line feels like it's the quick strike offense. This is the line that is shutting down other teams' line and is quick striking offense. You're okay. right. And Elias Patterson, let's face it, folks, he's the best defensive center on the Canucks, and you're lying to yourself if you think any anything different. Okay. That's kind of harsh. There's a discussion. No, for had. sure. No, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to say no. It's, so shut the hell up. Yeah, but Elias Pettersson is, in my mind, the best defensive forward on the Canucks. I don't think it's really close. Okay. I don't think it's the, yeah, my line's different, but I'll let you keep going. Let's. What's your second line? Let's go with the Miller line. Yeah. 
the Miller line, I've got Andre Kuzmenko, JT Miller, and Vasily Podkolzin. Now, I actually view this line as a secondary scoring line. I'm not viewing it as a line that's getting, you know, crazy top six matchups. I'm viewing it as a secondary scoring line. You're going to be rolling three lines consistently, I think. So I don't even want to put these in a one, two, three, almost. This is just a line that I've put in my mind. I think you have Vasily Podkolzin playing with JT Miller. Those two have showed well in the past. You've got Andre Kuzmenko playing with the Russian winger, who he's played with in Ska. Not on the same line, obviously. Nope. I know, I know, Chris. He only played there one game. You're on here COVID on freaking radio telling everyone that. Whatever. Anyways, uh, Vasily Podkolz and Andre Kuzmenko getting to play together. Podkolz helped recruit Kuzmenko to Vancouver. That's kind of a sidebar that I want to throw out. And then I've got Tanner Pearson, Bo Horvat, and Connor Garland on my third line, Chris. And again, I'm not even saying this is like... I don't want to go through and say who I have doing matchups and everything, but I do think that my most res- my most responsible line probably that I would put as a matchup line is Elias Pettersson with Mikheyev and Besser. But you can put any th- all three of these lines, really, if you little, think about it. A little curious. You, you call the Miller line like a scoring line. You're probably your big scoring line at that point yeah. if you're saying Pettersson's getting the matchups. But you're putting Kuzmenko on that line instead of Garland. Yes, and the reason I'm doing that you, you is because... you have high hopes for Kuzmenko here, well, obviously, because Garland's a 5-on-5 five five creator. So, not only do I have high hopes for Kuzmenko, I also view Kuzmenko as a really good defensive forward in the neutral zone especially. Yeah. And I think if you can put JT Miller specifically with someone... Because JT Miller likes to do that thing where he kind of hangs at the blue line, the opposing blue line. He can Once he gets a fast break... He's off to the races, right? Like, how how many goals did JT Miller score last year where we saw him kind of, not cherry-picking, but, you know, wanting to hit the line with speed. And right. I think Kuzmenko being able to disrupt and, you know, create plays. He's a playmaker, right? Being Seeing Kuzmenko able to feed JT Miller, I think that's where the thought process is there. That trio that you have on your second line, Pod Colson, Miller... Because uh, what did I say? Pod Coles and Miller Kuzmenko. Yeah, that's like a from seeing the the ability and the just the plays that they make in a neutral zone defensively. That is that I, is. A I nice also think trio. Pod Coles is going to take a step in all three. Yeah, zones. I think Pod Coles is taking a huge step, and and even like in the interview that he just did, where he was like, "If I converted like a little bit more, I'm a 20 goal scorer," and he's bang on right. Like, yeah. you know, look at it last year. Like, I look at Rathbone being very unlucky. I look at Huglander being very unlucky. But Pod Coles as well. Like, it felt like there was times where. He should have had even a few more easy goals as well. So I, yeah, I'm expecting Pot Coles and get to twenty. But you're so my third, my third line, third line. Yeah. I'm, I'm I may be overthinking this, Chris, mm-hmm. but I have drawn it out in my head exactly how I want these guys to forecheck. Okay, so hear me out. Try and stay with me here, folks. I know this isn't great podcast stuff, but third line of Tanner Pearson, Bo Horvat, Connor Garland. Yes. You're saying okay. yes, and the reason that I say Tanner Pearson, Horvat, Garland on my third line or whatever line. I don't even, again don't want to say one, two, three. A line of Tanner Pearson, Bo Horvat, and Garland. I call this my smart guy for checking line, Chris. That's how I refer to this line. Because in my mind, I have Connor Garland going in deep as F1, okay? And that's because, to me, he's the fastest of this trio, right? You could even have Bo Horvat, but you preferably want Bo Horvat hanging back a bit because, you know, he's your center. He's gonna, you're going to want him defending. Obviously, I, I rate Bo Horvat probably as one of the best defensive forwards on this line, although Pearson's not bad either. Uh, so's Garland. And I know it's kind of a myth that Horvat's this shutdown center, but you're not asking him to be. That's what I'm asking Liz Patterson getting to do. bottom six matchups now. I'm yeah. asking Horvat to hold his own, and be that secondary scorer like we saw in the bubble. That's where I keep looking back at, Chris. I say the 2020 bubble when Bo Horvat exploded against St. Louis, that's because Pedersen was getting the matchups against Ryan O'Reilly. That's how I view this line. I view this line as my four-checking line, Chris, because Connor Garland's going in with speed. And I'm going to ask you a question. How many board battles have you seen Tanner Pearson lose? 
Not a lot. That guy's got a steel stick. Exactly. I always say it. So if, a stick in the league. If Garland is applying pressure up front, and Garland, in his own right, can can cause some turnovers being that F1, right? Like, that guy's motor, he can cause some turnovers doing that. Tanner Pearson's your F2. He's along the boards, right? And, again, it depends what kind of system Bruce Boudreaux wants to do, but let's assume for a second that he has the two forwards going in deep, Right. Pearson's going to be cheating a little bit to the boards, but it's going to be Garland basically as the F1 in this play in my mind. And then Tanner Pearson's going to be along the boards. Bo Horvat as the last man back coming through. Guess where he's going to be, Chris? If Tanner Pearson or Connor Garland causes a turnover, Horvat's going to find himself alone in the bumper spot. Call it the Horvat hole. The slot, exactly. He's going to be right in the high slot. Horvat can pull the trigger from there. Horvat's my trigger man on this line. I like the idea of Pearson, Garland, and Horvat as a trio. For that reason, try and poke some holes in that. You can't. No, I mean that one's good. I, I think. Um, I think that line. I like that line. I like that trio a lot. Okay, like I said, my, I, mine are all different, which is good. I, I good. bet our fourth lines are different too. So, what's your fourth? My fourth line is Dakota Joshua, Curtis Lazar, Nils Huglander. So uh, Jason Dickinson, Dickinson's out. Dickinson. Jason Dickinson's out until forward. proven otherwise. Okay, fourth line's going to go out in there, and bang. I think a little bit. You know, you got three guys there, uh, pretty good on the four check. A little bit of offense there, too. I think Lazar and, and Huglander, I think a lot of people have talked about that pairing where, you know, because we kind of get to the point now where Huglander looks like he's going to be on the fourth line. He's on my fourth line as well. Yep. Might be interested to see if he can get a little bit of offense there. Lazar's a guy who has shown that he can shoot in the past. Huglander's a guy who can create a little bit of offense. It will be interesting to watch uh, that duo, I think, because I, I have a mm-hmm. good feeling they're going to be together yep. as well next year. Yep. All right. No questions there. Good. Is uh, Joshua going to kill penalties? Joshua is going to kill penalties. Joshua and Lazar is probably a penalty-killing unit. And then Mikheyev and Miller, whoever you want. Miller plays too many minutes. Uh, I'm sorry. Pedersen and Mikheyev is probably my first unit. But I, let's, man, let's a... not forget who's coaching this team, Chris, because right. there's about six six duos of forwards. I think we're going to see Brock Besser killing penalty. I think this is probably the year where Vasily Pod Colson starts to kill penalty. It better be the damn year where Pod Colson yeah. starts killing me. You know he's done it so much that it's like I, yeah. I still... He's got to kill penalties. Kuzmenko, can he kill penalties? No, he's not a penalty. Okay, so, so that's fine. But yeah. you still have those those six forwards that you can go with. You've got... You know, you oh, could put sure. Miller, Pod Colson. You could put... Uh, Pedersen Horvat, we saw that duo have a lot of success. You have Ilya Mikheyev, who's an elite penalty killer, right? Yep. You've got a lot of options if you're Bruce Burger. It's not going to be the same song no, and dance Tanner as it was Pearson, last year. Tanner Pearson, Tanner Pearson, Pearson I, think, guy, I think with Pearson playing in a bottom six role now, he's a guy that I think you want to rely on even more this year for penalty killing. Yeah, um, I do think that, like, like I can see Pearson Lazar being a second unit that goes out there all the time. Like, Chris, I, do I you... see it start with either Miller and Mikheyev or Pedersen Mikheyev. Like, I, I think that's a really good option. Or is this a time where we start to see Pod Colson move into taking face-offs more? Yeah. Do they want to work on that this year? Because, like, even if he's not playing center, I, I think that watching Pod Colson develop, like, just the ability to take face-offs is something I'd like to see this year. Okay, I've got in front of me the Canucks' best lineup from last season, and we'll compare it once you're done, but you go ahead. Sure. All right, I'll start with my Pedersen line off the top. I'm going with Vasily Podkolzin at left wing, Elias Pedersen at center, Brock Besser on right wing. Because when I look at this team and I think looking at how players are going to progress, I think Podkolzin has a good chance to be one of the best playmakers offensively this coming season. And I think you want to play a guy like Podkolzin who's digging out pucks, making really good passes, always just has a good vision for the ice in the offensive zone, put him with your two best quick strike offense players. And Pod Colson, Pedersen, Besser is what I would go with for my first line. 
And like I said, I, I'm also banking quite hard on that Pod Colson takes a huge step this year. Um, and honestly, like I really, really liked Pod Colson's play with Pedersen last year. I think there's yep. times where we saw the Huglander, Pedersen, Pod Colson line. Really liked what that was. And I think if you're getting a good Brock Besser, that trio is something I'm big time into. Pod Colson, Pedersen, Besser. Uh, I just think that the smarts on that line offensively is something you really want to build off of. And, and I think you want to go with that line against other teams' top lines as well. Match them up and see what you can do because you have good trust in Pedersen defensively. You have good trust in Pod Coles defensively. And like we always talk about, Brock Besser, I think, pretty underrated defensively as well. So you're feeling pretty good going up against top lines with that trio. And the fact that you're going up against top lines of that trio really opens up for what you're going to see on the second line where JT Miller was a 99-point player last year. He's going to center a line with Ilya Mikheyev on the left wing and Connor Garland on the right wing because I, I just think that Mikheyev's speed combined with Garland's like agility is going to make for a lot to deal with in the offensive zone, and then you're going to have JT Miller just setting up shop and being the guy who gets a lot of those Garland passes. I liked Miller and Garland last year. I think they worked well together. You look at 5-on-5 five five production for duos last year with the Vancouver Canucks. They're near the top uh, for forwards playing together. So I'm going to go with that trio there. I think even like quick strike offense is going to be great because Mikheyev is going to be able to guy who can beat a defenseman with just his pure speed and then find Miller for the finish, find Garland who can finish a lot of different spots. So that's my top six. Any questions in the top six there? No, I think, like, obviously I like my lineup more, right. but your lineup's fine. I like the Pod Colson fit more than Mikheyev. That's the difference that I think we have in our lines here is, like, I, I think Pod Colson is a better player to play with the smarts of Pedersen and Besser. And, and I'm banking on Pod Colson taking a step. And I'm not saying Mikheyev's not a smart player. I just think Pod Colson does think the level at Pedersen and Besser, specifically Pedersen. Um, that's the reason why I'm going with him instead of Mikheyev there. Because I think Mikheyev is going to just bring like a little bit of... Uh, the speed is kind of something that you don't really... You can't prepare for speed, right? Like, yep. you can't... Speed is just going to be able to just surprise you at times. That's why I'm kind of going with him on, like, a scoring JT Miller, Connor Garland line where the agility and speed of Garland works well with Mikheyev's overall speed and Miller. So I'm going with that as my pairing there. So, yeah, any questions? Top six. What do you think? You're, you're good with it. No, I, I... Like I said, I like mine more. But I think that's a solid top six. Like... The thing is, Chris, no matter what line combinations we throw out there, and there's a lot. Let's not be let's not kid ourselves. There's even more than what we've outlined. They're all pretty good. Like the Canucks are gonna yeah, have yeah. a good forward group. I just the only the big like bugaboo that I had with yours was that like I, I'm not throwing Kizmenko in the top six. I'm not playing Kizmenko with Patterson or Miller to start. He's gotta do something in a third line role to be like, oh, you know what? He does deserve top six time. I think Pod Colson's done more than Kuzmenko at the NHL level to deserve top six. I think Mikheyev's also done more to deserve top six over Kuzmenko. He's but got also, to like really, yeah, yeah. you know, I feel like your lineup's banking on Kuzmenko being a top six player. And I think that's a lot to Dude, ask. Dude, I'm also viewing it as not really a top six. Like, right. I like Kuzmenko because of his neutral zone defense, which I don't think he's going to forget how to do when he comes to the NHL. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, is it fair to say that? I'm not viewing this as a one, two, three. I'm viewing this as three solid lines that can hurt you in any area of the ice. Yeah. Right? Like, all three of those lines are relatively defensively responsible. Right? Like, Kuzmenko, I'm looking a lot more in the neutral zone, admittedly, but I don't know if I like Mikheyev and Garland together. That's probably my only gripe, is Mikheyev and Garland being on the same line. I don't think I like that. Hmm. I, I think it's... I think that's a line that looks... That does a whole lot of nothing. Offensively, defensively, what are you saying? Offensively and, and defensively. Really? Well, not I defensively. Feel like Garland, Garland might be the the best creator of offense at five on five, 
And Mikheyev might have the best single skill of just being able to break offense at 5-on-5. Yeah, but sorry, you're you're saying Garland's the best creator of offense at 5-on-5. Smart-wise, set up in the offensive zone, he's one of them. And he proved it last year at this 5-on-5 points. Yeah, but I don't know. Is he setting up Ilya Mikheyev, who's notoriously not the best finisher? Yeah, and JT Miller, who was the best finisher last year. Or are they setting him up? That's what my question is. I think that the only the question I have with that line is how does Mikheyev fit in? How is his playmaking, right? Because he's got to be a good playmaker to play with Miller. I think I think Mikheyev fits better with Pedersen. Yeah, I'm not I'm not there with that one. I, I just don't think I, I know I enough about Mikheyev. I think faster than Pod Colson. Sure, yeah. And that's why he fits better with Pedersen. I think you put the fastest guys with Pedersen and hope for the best. I, I don't like I like when you're set up in the offensive zone. And, and he's having a smarter two way player than Pod Colson. And I think Pod Colson's mm. going to take a step, Chris. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I still think Mikheyev, he's had more experience in the NHL. Sure. Not, not much if you look at games played. Yeah. But he's older. I like the thought of Mikheyev with Pedersen more than I do Pod Colson. And I, I like Pod Colson. I also think yeah. he's going to take a step. I don't think he's ready to play with Pedersen yet. I think he's more of a Miller guy. I just think from his speed is going to be something. And Pod Colson want. played with Pedersen last year, and he played pretty well, too. They played very well together yeah. as a pairing. So I'm going with that. We'll my, see. my third line. Um, Tanner Pearson's there, Bo Horvat's there, and Andre Kuzmenko's there. And this is a line where it's kind of similar to what you said about like having a strong neutral zone play. Like you're gonna if the puck is battled in neutral zones and it's you know fifty fifty battle, you're feeling pretty good about this trio. Um offensively, yeah, you, you just hope that Kuzmenko, like I think Kuzmenko, a lot of his first assists last year came from making that pass from behind the net into a guy who's in the slot, like Bo Horvat, who loves it there. Tanner Pearson's another guy who finishes a lot from passes behind the net as well. So I like the idea of Kuzmenko setting up offense for Pearson and Horvat. I think that's a trio I like uh, in, in a third-line role. Like, if I'm rolling minutes, yeah. I, they're the, this is the line I want out there the third most. The Canucks penalty kill is going to be great the next season. Like, that's that's what a lot of this is telling me is, like, I'm well, looking you at hope these so. pairings. Well, yeah, but I don't know, man. I'm looking at it, and it's just, where, where are you going to go wrong? Like, it, it, oh, I like your I like your lineup. Get to that fourth line. All right, let's get Yeah, my fourth line has it. a little <laughs> bit of a surprise on it. Niels Huglander is going to play with Curtis Lazar, but I got my dark horse out of camp, and he's making the team out of camp because I'm not on the – every person in this city is just, like, drooling over Dakota Joshua. I, I've seen Dakota Joshua play, and I don't know if he's this third, fourth line guy that Jim Rutherford's talking about. I just – I'm not 100% sold. I'm more sold – on my boy, PDG, Phil DiGiuseppe, coming out and making the team on that fourth line. He can kill penalties. He's a big body. He's just as big as Joshua. Okay? I like I you know, he's a little bit lighter, but he's just the same height and everything. Like I, I think DiGiuseppe has a lot to prove. I think that's why he signed back here in Vancouver, was that there's like a chance that. for him to go win a spot from camp. And I think he should at least put up a good battle. I think he's a better option right now than Will Lockwood. I think he's a better option than Dickinson from what we saw last year. I, I also have Dickinson as the 13th forward. I don't have Joshua as my 13th forward. Can I give forward. you a hot take, Chris? Sure. What's the identity of this fourth line? Uh, sneakily having some offense on a fourth line. Like, this is a, this is a, I think this is a fourth line where you play against other teams' fourth lines. You're hoping that you have a lot of puck possession. And I think you do with that trio. Like, look around fourth lines around the NHL. Do they have as much skill as a Niels Hugland or Curtis Lazar? And Phil DiGiuseppe, I don't know. I, I think there's I like a that. lot of really good offensive skill there. As And listen, 
I'm not saying they're a top line potential, but as a fourth line, yeah, 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 you are going to get long and possessions you, in four on four, like fourth against fourth matchups. You're going to get offensive. You like Giuseppe as an offensive player, right? I like him as an to offensive it, it, player yeah. and as a like, and I think he can kill penalties. I don't yeah. know if he's you know, the second winger going out there to kill penalties, but he's probably your third pairing guy. Like I, yeah, well, they're going to have like, I would go with maybe Pearson and then yeah. Yeah. Giuseppe out there as well as, as well as options played a little bit of center last year in the H. I don't know sure. if that's a spot where you need him, but just probably case. take faceoffs because Lazar's not great in the dot. So it's an option. I think so, anyways. So here's my hot take, Chris out of training camp. Niels Huglander finds himself on the outside looking in because Dakota Joshua and Phil Giuseppe both make this team. Man. And they're playing with Curtis Lazar. That's a hot take, eh? You think he's, like, going down I to think, the A? Okay. I, no. Waiver exempt. No, they I have think, no problem sending him down to the A. Exactly. So that's where it comes in. But I also, wow. think, I also think that, one, doesn't help him develop. I don't think the AHL is going to help Nils Huglander much. Okay? Two, I think it sends the wrong message to the player. I don't think he's on board with that, especially after, dude, the guy's played two seasons in the NHL, right? And even if maybe he was rushed a bit by the last management regime and coaching staff, I get all that, whatever. But I look at this and say there's at least... There's a scenario where Dakota Joshua, Phil DiGiuseppe both make the team. And they're they're extra forwards or whatever. And maybe Dickinson's the other guy in there, right? There's a world, Chris, where Niels Huglander is in the press box for more than just a game in favor of a Dakota Joshua, Curtis Lazar, and Phil Giuseppe line. And if that line starts to click and starts to work, Chris, you're looking at a world where we have to start talking about Niels Huglander going to the minors. Yeah, it's wild. Like, I, I know what you're saying. And they've I, got the depth, right? Yep. They've and got I, the depth. That's the thing that this this forward group is kind of... The way, not even just this forward group, it's the structure of this team. The way it sets it up. Like, there is, there is totally a world where Huglander could get down to the minors to start the season. You're right. Like... Listen to the way that they're talking about Dakota Joshua. What, what, what Rutherford said he could play. He's going to be on their third or fourth line. Like he said he'll yeah, be on he our third or fourth that. line. Yeah. I, I don't know if Rutherford's throwing up line combos, but who's he bumping down? I don't think they're throwing Dickinson to the minors because if you do just send Huglander as well, there is no cap ramification. If you send Dickinson, you're, there's you're still some cap money. You're still yeah. You're absolutely bearing up money for nothing. You don't have a player on your roster because of it. And, like, Dickinson's still an NHL player to really? a certain degree. I don't know. We'll have to see next year, I guess. But, yeah, to me, like, looking at this forward group, it's almost like, um, like you know, in, in MLB lately, they do they do four outfielders sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, at the time, this it just feels like the way this roster is built for the Canucks, it's like they're always going with four outfielders. Like, they, they need to be able to... Put some players on the infield. Listen, having four outfielders works a lot. They do. There's a reason why MLB teams do this. It's a lot of players hit a lot of fly balls, and you get a lot of easier outs that way. Or you're able to shut down, you know, the alleys, and you're able to hit the gaps with these four outfielders, and it works well. But it also opens up a very big weakness on your infield. And to me, it's like the infield is now a man short. It's similar to what the Canucks defense core looks like, where. Yes, there's a huge strength, and to compare it to baseball, it would be like chasing down fly balls. There's a massive strength when you have four outfielders out there. But they need to be able to transition back to having some defensemen and put that, like, a move needs to be made because we look at these lines, we're feeling really good about it. You know, we we just talked about maybe even, like, a player as skilled as Niels Huglander not being able to make the top 12. And, like, I don't think either of us, like, both of us have them in our lineup. We both have Huglander playing on the fourth line. 
but you're right. Like it's it is a hot take that's possible that Huglander is. Yeah, I'm not even, even trying in to say minors. that I think Huglander should go no, because to like my said, lineup has Huglander. Both of our lineups have him there, but I I forgot about I flat out forgot about Giuseppe. Like Giuseppe, I think you're right could make this team, and I don't think with the way I've heard Dakota Joshua being spoken about that like like first of all. I, I, the, I guess the only discrepancy I have is based on the messaging that I'm hearing and how high they are on this player. I don't see Dakota Joshua because Bruce Boudreaux consulted on this stuff as well. I don't see Dakota Joshua not playing on the third or fourth line out of camp. I, I see him ahead of DiGiuseppe, but I also see DiGiuseppe there. It's so then it, the question then becomes, who's your guy out? I would right. stick with Huglander being over DiGiuseppe. I'm not going to lie. I think DiGiuseppe's this team's 13th forward. Sure. I Yeah, I think Dickinson's there. I, I don't... Yeah, I think Dickinson's 14th. Or in the minors, no, like for Sometimes there's always, there's always so much talk in the offseason about some players. I just think Josh was like, yeah, they're, they're really excited for him to do it. I don't know if he's okay for sure an NHL player. Like, to me, Dickinson might be more of an NHL player because, like, maybe you got to see a little bit more from him. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch how this one plays out. There's obviously so many options. And, like, we didn't even really mention, like, Will Lockwood there, too. Like, remember how good he was at camp? A year older, a year more veteran in him. If he has that similar type of style at camp, you think Boudreaux's going to see that? He saw him for a little bit last year. Like, he's got to be able to produce at the NHL. That's his thing. But he, if he has a camp like he did last year, he's got to push for a spot, too, right? Not going to crap on any players, but, no. This team needs size on the fourth line. They don't need a Will Lockwood. Like, right. you, you could make the exception for Tyler Mott because he's Tyler Mott. But you're not clamoring to get Will Lockwood in because he tries hard. He's going to break down by game 20. And again, I'm not even trying to be, like, hard on a young player. I just, I haven't seen it from Will Lockwood. Like, I don't, I don't want to crap on him because he's, like, a nice kid. But it's just. <laughs> he is what he is. He is what he is. And I see Phil Giuseppe and Dakota Joshua being ahead of him. I think the best scenario for Will Lockwood is going down to the minors and developing some sort of scoring touch. Right? Like. Sure. I don't think you don't want Will Lockwood ceiling to be a worse Tyler Mott. Yeah, you're right. And I think just from what we saw last year, though, like, like he is was he being so a Hoglander. I don't Hoglander so. tries hard. Yeah. It depends on the style. Like, I, I do think that his style, the way it's going to show in camp, the way it's going to show in preseason, there's always a story of a guy pushing so hard, you know, even having a really good camp and playing well in preseason. Yeah, I'm like sure Alex he's going to try on. hard, yeah. Sure, he is. Is he going to try, is he going to show that well that he, like, to, the way that you're talking about, he's not even in the conversation with Joshua DiGiuseppe. Like, Dickinson, to me, he I, I think Dickinson's over Lockwood. Yeah, and yeah, I, don't, I think so I don't too. really rate Dickinson. Like, Dickinson's my 14th forward. I have, I have Lockwood firmly in the minors. Developing, because mm. I don't think it's a lost cause with him. But I don't think it's, can Will Lockwood play on this team's fourth line? No, and he's a player where it's like, hey, when injuries start to happen, there's an injury in the top nine, right? Sure. Let's say that happens. There you go. Huglander goes up and plays in the top That's nine somewhere. Like. Now you're like, hey, you know what? We have a guy that we like as a call-up. When the hell is the last time the Canucks are able to say yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. They have not been able to say that for five, ten years. To say, oh, you know what? Now that there's an injury, we feel good about this player coming up. There's a young player coming up. Yeah, we have a 24-year-old kid in Abbotsford who, yes, his scoring's taken a step. He's still the same player who wants to bang and get to the NHL level. Like, yeah, I I think that's that's the spot where he's going to find himself after camp. But I'm... I'm just saying, like, we, we saw the impact that he made at training camp last year. He is the type of player who shines in those things. So is Nils Huglander. This is true, too. And I think DiGiuseppe is in the same camp as well. So, uh, to mm-hmm. me, the battles, and, and, it, and it's the difference in both of our lineups of the 12 players. 
You got Joshua. I got DiGiuseppe. Yeah, we talked mostly about the fourth line when we talked about the lines. But I want to say, Phil DiGiuseppe impressed a lot in training camp last year. He was good, year, yeah. To the point where it was a shocker that yeah. he was sent down. It was funny to see how good he played. And then, you know, like I remember training camp where I like didn't notice Sheldon Rempel once. Yeah. And then he goes and has the season that he yeah. does in the AHL. Yeah. And like now he's off with, I think, LA. I think he might be yeah. with. I yeah, forget yeah. who he's with. But they got Sheldon Drives back. So like they're... That top line out there in Abbotsford. I'd love to next week. I'll do some Abbotsford. Like I, I'm going to do that for Canucks Army. Do a projection of the Abbotsford lineup. Uh, we'll do some. We'll do some Abbotsford talk next year because it's going to be a very different look uh, out there in Abbotsford next year. Are we going to see a C on somebody's chest in Abbotsford next episode next week? No Abbotsford. We'll see. Well, you said next year. We'll talk yeah, about. But I'm talking Abbotsford about the team on the year. ice. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, next week we'll get to the defense too. We've yeah, got a lot we'll to talk do the defense. We'll do ads for. We got some things like we got some things to talk people about. People are taking their sweet time <laughs> off here. They're down at uh, Kitsilano Beach. We're in here podcast. I'm sweating. I, Dollywell's at his beach house. Oh my goodness! In Maui. Yeah, no, not me. I'm here uh, sweating it off in the in the studio here. This is yeah. We got two little AC units going. They're they're not like. Shout out, shout out Dollywall, who trolled Francesco Aquilini oh on gosh. Twitter. Dude, oh I my texted Dollywall right after that. He said, yeah, and, and what, like, what did he say back to so you? I was like, Doll, I was like, Dollywall, you're hilarious. Like, what a troll, right? To, for people that don't know, Francesco Aquilini had a, uh, he says he was hacked. Uh, I don't know by what, like his pocket. See, like, you know, we've seen that when it happens. Sometimes you open up your phone and it's writing a text to someone with a bunch of letters. So he had that with a tweet. But it was like in response to Ian Rappaport. Twice. Which who's is, like a NFL yeah. Guys, so yeah, I don't know if he was hacked, but then Dollywall replies with one of his drunk letters. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. I texted him and said, That's, I'm like, Dollywall, you're hilarious. Like, he's, he's the best. Dollywall literally is the best. And then he responded something about, uh, you know, uh, keep up the good work, uh, you and that Squadrelli kid over there. <laughs> like, love, the Dollywell. Squ- love the Squadrelli bit from Dollywall. Yeah, That's I hilarious. don't know where that came from. I hope he knows my actual name. All right. Not sure. Yeah. We we'll have, we'll really have him back don't eventually. Know. We'll have him back soon. I've been right. pushing. I just say, like, I got to get a like, I bucket list item for the summer. Get out for drinks with Dolly Wall. Come and on. Donnie. Donnie and Dolly. Yeah, Donnie can come too. But Dolly Wall. And, and Ryan. Ryan's got his hands full with the new boy. This Shout out true. Ryan Henderson. Good for Ryan. Just shouting out the entire Donnie and Dolly sure. staff. No, but I'm saying I want to get Dolly out on some uh, Crown Apple. Yeah. Which you, you're a fan of. Yeah. I'm a fan of. I don't drink it as much anymore. It was kind of my drink when I was just starting out. But right. I, I can handle it. Now, now you're a vet. Now I do basically anything. Yeah. No, I heard about you the other night. Four drinks in and you're... No, it was, it was a lot more than four. All right. All right. We'll close it out. Close there. it out. All right. Shout out Cody Sieverson. That's all I'll say. All right. Uh, for Keep my you, co-host... Keeping you it up straight. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 